Hi, everyone, and welcome. Do you know what time it is? That's right. It's Wednesday, December 13th, and it's time for your midweek Bible study. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It is great to be with you once again. Thanks for taking time to join us. Folks, today is the last study in our journey through the book of James. It has been an amazing time so far, and we're going to finish strong for sure. Today is chapter 5, verses 13 to 20, and we're going to study two more incredible topics, faithful prayer and restoring wandering believers. In a nutshell, in this final section, James emphasizes prayer, confession, and the value of redeeming those who've wandered away from the truth. We'll unpack all of that shortly, but before we do, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we worship you and we celebrate you once again, Lord. We thank you for your amazing love, for your word. Father, I thank you for that you've saved our lives, that the opportunity for salvation is open to anyone who will just believe. Lord, we give you honor and glory. Teach us from your word as we close out this study in James. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. All right, turn in your Bible or Bible apps to James chapter 5, and let's read today's passage starting with verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Starting with verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. According to James, a Christian who is suffering or who is in trouble should naturally be inclined to do what? And a Christian who is happy should also do what? If you're suffering or in trouble, James says you should pray. There are many responses to suffering. Some of us worry. Some of us vow revenge against those who have caused the suffering. Some of us let anger burn inside us, and some of us grumble. But James says the correct response to suffering or trouble is to keep praying about it. For some other scriptures, look at Psalm 30, look at Psalm 50, verse 15, and Psalm 91, verse 15. Now, this isn't necessarily a prayer for deliverance from the trouble, but for the patience and strength to endure it. Now, if we're fortunate enough to be happy, then we should thank God. How? By singing praises to the Lord. Check out 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Ephesians 5, 19, and Colossians 3, 16. Because our praise is directed to God, singing is actually another form of prayer. Next is verse 14. It says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. The question here is, what does James say you're to do if you're sick, and why? Well, here James encourages the sick to call for the elders of the church for counseling and prayer. The elders were spiritually mature people responsible for overseeing local churches. The elders would pray over the sick person, calling on the Lord for healing. 
Then they would anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. As the elders prayed, they were to voice clearly that the power for healing resided in the name of Jesus. Anointing was often used by the early church in their prayers for healing. In scripture, oil was both a medicine and a symbol of the Spirit of God. So the oil may have been a sign of power of prayer, and it may have symbolized the setting apart of the sick person for God's special attention. Next up, verse 15, it says, Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Here's the question. This verse describes the expected result from the elder's prayer in the previous verse. What is the expected result? The prayer must be from the heart, sincere, and trust in and obedience to God behind it, with no doubting, as James said in James 1, 5 through 8. The faith mentioned in this verse is the role of the leaders who are praying, not the sick persons, because nothing is said about his or her faith here. It is possible that the sick person's faith is exercised by calling the elders. Also, if there's a need for confession, the elders will be able to minister to the individual. The process ensures dependence of believers on each other. Above all, it is the Lord himself, not the elders, that does the healing. Does this mean that every prayer for healing guarantees that God will make the sick person well? No, it's not always God's will to heal those who are ill. But it's important to note that the prayer offered is offered in faith, not only the faith that believes God can heal, but also the faith that expresses absolute confidence, sovereignty, if you will, in God's will. Verse 16 is next. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Here in verse 16, James writes that it should be common practice for Christians to do two things for each other. What are they and what is the intended result? We are to confess our sins to each other, the verse says, and pray for each other. Do you see those two things? And the intended result, it also is right in that verse, that you may be healed. Too often, we're not only guilty of hesitating to lean on each other in our sickness and weakness, but we're even more likely not to confess our sins to each other. When Christians are really working to share each other's troubles and problems, the world does take note and we come closer to fulfilling the law of Christ. Above all else, loving your neighbor as yourself includes praying for them. Now it says in that verse, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Why? because the person who is praying is righteous. The person is not sinless, but he or she has confessed known sins to God and is completely committed to him and trying to do his will. Again, we can say that the righteous people get what they want in prayer because they want what God wants. The Christian's most powerful resource is communication with God through prayer. It's the instrument of healing and forgiveness and is a mighty weapon for spiritual warfare. The results are often greater than we ever thought were possible. Let's look at verses 17 and 18 together. They read, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Here's the question. In these verses, James uses the example of a prominent Old Testament person to illustrate the power and effectiveness of prayer. Who is the individual and what is the overall point of these combined verses? The individual was Elijah, exactly. The story is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 through chapter 18, verse 46. Elijah had great power in prayer. 
A drought came as a sign to evil King Ahab of Israel that the idol Baal did not have power over the rain. God did. And when Elijah prayed, as we read, he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and what was the result? It said the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. The overall point in these verses is that prayer works. And the reminder for us is that as people who trust God, we should pray in response to all of life's circumstances. We should pray for ourselves. We should pray for each other. We should pray for healing. We should pray for others to overcome their sin. And we should know that prayer works not because of the power of the one who prays, but because God hears and responds with all of his power and effectiveness. Now let's turn our attention to our final two verses, 19 and 20. Let's take them together. They say, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Let's find out what this means. Here's the question. James concludes his letter with a call to action. What is that call to action and what does it mean? Right away, James says not to ignore those who wander away from the truth of the gospel. In astronomy, the word planets means wanderers, named by the ancients as they saw stars that did not stay in place but rather wandered across the sky. That's exactly the same Greek word used here, speaking of someone who has gotten off the path and is lost. When people drop away from a public profession of faith, does this mean that they never actually knew the Lord with a genuine relationship? Or are they Christian family folks who have drifted from the truth due to sin, confusion, poor responses to difficult circumstances, etc.? Commentators differ as to which of these categories James has in mind for the wandering sinner. I'm actually not sure we can know which of these categories a wandering person fits into. But in any event, the responsibility is still the same. And this is the point, to call them back from the error of their ways. This is not for judgment, but for repentance and restoration. We all need to ask ourselves, are we willing to try to bring back someone who's wandered or do we simply wring our hands while the person goes off into darkness? All of us should see this as an important responsibility given to every Christian, not just church leaders. The motivation is similar to God's commission to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3 verses 18 to 21. God told Ezekiel that if he preached and warned the people and they did not turn, the guilt of their sins would be on their own heads. But if Ezekiel chose not to preach or warn the people, then the guilt of their sins would not only be on their heads, but on Ezekiel's head as well. And then in verse 20, James makes the same implication. We must work to bring back the wandering, and in doing so, it covers a multitude of sins. We can't ignore the straying sheep, beloved. What began with a challenge to endure hardship with joy now closes with an appeal to watch out for each other. Believers are to pursue their faith together, it is God who saves and keeps, but he allows us to be involved in one another's Christian life. Well, believe it or not, folks, that's it. That's the last half of chapter five. It doesn't take long, but it's packed full with a lot of things. And this has honestly been an amazing time these last eight weeks as we've talked about many key topics. And if I may, I'd like to offer a commentary on what we've studied during this time together. The letter of James is Christianity with its sleeves rolled up. It's the working person's practical guide to living the Christian faith. It spells out what it means to follow Jesus day by day. James emphasizes faith in action. Theories are for theologians, but James is interested in life, real life. Right living is the evidence and result of faith. 
The church must serve with compassion, speak lovingly and truthfully, live in obedience to God's commands, and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven's principles applied on earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and one another. If we truly believe God's word, we will live it day in and day out. God's word is not merely something we read or think about, but something we should do. Now, folks, we're not going to be meeting on the next two weeks, December 20th and 27th, but we'll be back on Wednesday, January 3rd with our brand new Bible study in the book of Hebrews. Until then, from all of us at Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, a very happy and blessed Christmas and New Year to you and yours. We love and appreciate you very much. Thanks again. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.